0: Hello, everybody. I am Navy Petty Officer, second class, Sean Castellano. I work for AFN Stukar, but I am here filming the pilot episode of something we're calling Inside UCOM, where we want to get to know all of the different UCOM directorates, and there's a lot of different personnel over there at UCOM. Uh, So we want to kind of dive into what all of these different personnel do and what their function is over there at uh, U.S. European Command Headquarters. So with that being said, I am joined by the UCOM chaplain, command chaplain, that is Colonel Cleet Barclay. So, sir, first of all, Thank you for joining us here.
1: Thank you. It's good to be here. Yeah. And so, um, what is your role over at UCOM? So, as a command chaplain, my, my role is I have several, but one of the primary ones is to provide strategic uh, guidance and information to our U.S. UCOM leaders, as well as a, the chaplain for the Joint Chiefs of Staff and, and the Service Chiefs of Chaplains. And, and that guidance or information may involve stuff about religion, ethics, morale or morals going on within the UCOM theater. So you mentioned
0: that it's probably a lot different being here at a combatant command headquarter um, rather than other duty stations you've been at. Tell me a little bit about your career and other places you've been before this.
1: So actually I started out as an enlisted security police back in the day and, and uh, after you sit on the flight line and, and do a lot of security stuff, I say there's room for repentance. And, and so in that process, I eventually became a chaplain And uh, it started out at Lackland uh, in the Air Force where we have all of our trainees come in. So I had three years of student ministry. Then I was at Travis Air Force Base in California doing what we call flight line ministry and working with uh, pilots and maintainers. From there, I went to Kadena in Japan and worked with the special operators throughout um, the Pacific area there. Back to uh, Maxwell. Uh, When I say back, that's because we would do our chaplain training. But I was actually assigned there and uh, worked with a different level of student ministries because you have a lot of officer training going on there. And from there, I went to the Pentagon and worked in the, the Chiefs of Chaplains office for the Air Force and really got an insight into some of the strateg- strategic issues that goes on with uh, the issues of plans and personnel. That was that was quite in- <clears throat> interesting and, and challenging, too. Then to Herlbert Field, where it was with the Special Ops again. And uh, from there, eventually became the... Commandant of the Air Force Chaplain Corps College, and there we train all the chaplains from cradle to grave about how they do their job, whether it's entry-level chaplain or as a senior-level chaplain. and And my last assignment is here at UConn.
0: So this is actually where you're going to finish out your career here at UConn.
1: Well, I, I should say my current assignment. Yeah, so, got it. Got it, got it. In theory, I have six more years left, unless my wife or children tell me otherwise. We'll see, huh? Yeah.
0: How do you guys like uh, Germany? How do you like being stationed over here?
1: Well, we, we enjoy it. We've been here about a year and a half. Obviously, COVID is, has nicked some of our plans, uh, not just personal and family plans, but a lot of my, my military duties have kind of been challenged as well.
0: Sure. So that being said, you, t- you brought up COVID. One of the themes I've heard from the chaplaincy has been the word resiliency, and so I kind of want to dive into that. What is the word resiliency mean to you? And how does that impact the people that serve over at UConn? Well,
1: I, I got to say that resiliency has been a buzzword in the military probably for 10 years now. but and, and maybe has become overused or or there's a lot of expectations when you say the word resilience to fix something. The, the truth of the matter is, is resilience is built over time and it's built out of uh, maybe crisis or, or chaos. And, and so... We can't fix things that quickly, but you can, you can do some pre-work in, in resiliency. And that's, that's where you would tie in things like your physical, your spiritual, your mental, and your social health. You do things prior to an incident so that you'll be able to bounce back quicker. And the other thing about resiliency is, I think it's important to recognize, to, in order to be resilient, it means that you have to come back up from something. And, and I, I know leaders would prefer that we never have downs, but it's just the way life is. It's inevitable. Yeah, yeah. It's we're, gonna, we're gonna struggle. And so resiliency is the, the ability to bounce back, and maybe bounce back quicker, or to bounce back with less challenges in the process.
0: So the, the folks that you work with, the chaplaincy over there at UCOM, and what kind of ways do you guys help out resiliency of the people that serve at UCOM? What, in what fashion can people reach out to you and kind of interact with you, I guess?
1: Well, a lot of uh, what the chaplains will do throughout the theater is they're going to be doing counseling. And, and obviously with COVID, counseling has had to change. For a while, they couldn't do any face-to-face counseling. Um, and so they, they had to get permission to do it online or virtual counseling. And there are some ethical issues with that. You know, they, they, we still have to make sure that we uh, protect the confidentiality of the client or the person that we're seeing. Um, so counseling is one of the, the ways we um, help in resiliency. The other thing... I I know some people would would uh, they would probably be surprised at the value of of religious and spiritual health. Um, the ability for people to worship does much more than than help their soul. There are physical benefits. There are social benefits. There are a lot of benefits across the board uh, that as people engage in that that spiritual and religious health aspects, they're gonna be better off. They'll be more resilient facing whatever challenges come their way.
0: So speaking of you, sir, one point you mentioned that there's been some challenges due to COVID um, and you guys started to do virtual counseling for a while. Are there any other challenges that you guys have faced during COVID and how have you ever overcame those challenges?
1: Well, so counseling is one thing we do, obviously worship service, that's a big thing we do. And, and so for a while, there were some where there were no worship services allowed, depending on what nation some of our chaplains were in, right. and 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 then we were able to start doing them virtually, and and that's that's helping. We're still doing them virtually. Uh, a, a fair amount of the folks, because of their own personal health issues or concerns, are still attending virtually, and others are able to come into the the chapel. But but to be able to do that, it, it's been a, a, a challenge for us because, unlike you, we're not used to being behind uh, a microphone and a camera quite sure. the same way. Sure, and and also we feed off of uh, that personal relationship and that mm-hmm. social interaction and so when you don't see the people on the other side of that virtual screen it, it's a little bit of a struggle
0: for sure and that's a challenge that probably everybody has faced in some way or another during COVID, right they absolutely had that face-to-face interaction for us even here to be able to do this we had to be sure we were six feet apart exactly had the masks on all that yeah. stuff so definitely that's just the climate of the world i guess the way it is right now um one more thing i want to ask you um at least here You talked about like supporting service members. You talked about um you guys run services, you do counselings. Are you here primarily to support service members or does your reach go further than that? Do you also work with family members and who all do you guys
1: work with? Yeah, they we we do work with family members dependents and and also um the civilian populace. And you you might not say this see the same degree of support for the civilian populace back in the States, but here we recognize it. Sometimes we're the only um, religious providers who are going to speak the same language. And, and so we, we are more apt and, and able to work with civilians as well.
0: Have there been any, I guess, challenges to that are unique to this duty station that are unique to working at a combatant command? I'm sure at least your, um, I guess, your personnel that are assigned to U.S. European Command Headquarters might be a little bit different than another unit. So um, are there any facets that have been challenging for you working for... UConn headquarters?
1: Well, I, <clears throat> I would say different, challenging in its own in in right, but more so different, just because the the folks here have, a, usually they're more advanced in their careers, and so they have different problems than, than if I was, say, doing student ministry where people are just off the street and trying to figure out how to adjust to the military. So the problems are different. And we also run into, uh, given the life cycle that a lot of people are in, You know, they're going to be concerned about what, their kids are doing in high school or what their parents are doing. The health of their parents is very different than uh, someone coming in off the street. And and so a lot of our, our personnel, their parents are in their seventies, eighties and nineties. And so COVID has really impacted them because not only are they have to, do they have to do their leadership positions and be concerned about their personnel, but really their families, their, their extended families are, are struggling with COVID.
0: Yeah. Can only imagine. So, UConn's AOR is pretty massive. Uh, it's comprised of, is it 50 nations?
1: 50 nations.
0: And with that being said, with all of those different nations within this AOR, do you ever have to reach out to any members from different countries around Europe here?
1: Absolutely. As a matter of fact, that's a big part of my job uh, pre-COVID, and, and it's, it's changed during COVID, but within UConn, we have between 32 to 37 nations that have chaplaincies. And the reason I say 32 or 37, it, it kind of depends on how you define a chaplaincy. Some of these nations only have one chaplain that's going to support their whole nation, their whole military, uh, and they might be uh, dual or triple-hatted with the other duties as well. Uh, so w- when you when you talk about chaplaincies, unlike the U.S. chaplaincy where we, um, for example, the Air Force has a, around 540 chaplains, many nations don't have anything near that. Nevertheless, we, we do a lot of engagements with them, and we, we work towards interoperability, uh uh, on the exercises, and as a matter of fact, our office just hosted the International Military Chiefs of Chaplains Conference at the end of January, and we had chaplains from 38 nations. There were about 118 individuals from 38 nations, and some of those were even outside of UCOM. Some of them were from AFRICOM and from Indopaycom as well, because this conference <clears throat> excuse me, has been going on for 32 years. And and so there's a history to it, and that's where we talk about how do we be interoperable and how do we cooperate uh, in case there is a, a crisis or a contingency. So that's
0: really, that's really interesting to hear. I, I wouldn't have thought that that'd be something that you guys that's do that's super interesting. I guess that's one way that you support. I think it's the commander's second priority: um, allies and strengthening ties with allies and partners. That has to be a pretty rewarding experience for you too, is it not?
1: Oh, absolutely. It's 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 incredible to see. What, what some of these other chaplaincies do. It may be different than us or similar to us. And, and also the role of religion in, in some of the European nations is, is very different than the United States. And so when you see how prominent religion may be, it, it's, uh, from my, my perspective, it's pretty inspiring the way they look to religion. Um, also, I guess the other thing we should tie in is the state partnership program. So we have, we have state chaplains back in the United States who are, who are partnering with some of these, these nations. And so we're coordinating to make sure that, that our efforts are in sync, not only with the state partnership, state excuse me, what the state chaplain is doing, but that it, it aligns with UCOM's priorities.
0: Makes sense. Get kind of have that message alignment. That's something we hear in public affairs a lot, and I'm sure you hear that uh, being a chaplain as well.
1: Yeah. Well, we don't want to, when, when I talk about the size of chaplaincies, we don't want to overwhelm a nation's chaplaincy because they're talking to the, the the state chaplain from Colorado, and then they're talking to the user command chaplain, the Navier command chaplain, the USAFE command chaplain, then the UCOM command chaplain. And and so we we need to make sure that we're we're talking about the same things and, and we're working towards the same things.
0: Absolutely. Well, sir, I want to thank you again for taking the time to join us. We really appreciate everything you said. I've learned a lot about the chaplain's department over at UCOM, so I appreciate it.
1: Thank you. Looking forward to more opportunities.